I don't know that you can, you know, totally take him away from Miami's team, you know, short of taking a bat to his knees, you know, like, which is not happening anytime soon. I don't even know if that would work. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, I, I, I'm not sure if, if Tanya Harden can stop Leon Metsy, you know. Uh, Welcome back, everybody. It's Offside with me, Taylor Twalman. We've got a League's Cup final on Saturday. Are you kidding me with this League's Cup? So three weeks ago, four weeks ago, whatever it may be, because I've basically traveled around the United States for the last 45 plus days, we launched Lionel Messi into Major League Soccer with an unveiling. The best number 10 in the world, Messi. We then had this all-star game that went into League's Cup, and I had no idea what I was getting into. Put on a show. Gabriel Jesus did exactly Honestly, I was kind of nervous that it was going to be, eh, I don't know if teams are going to care. I don't know if it's all in. Oh, my Lord, I was so wrong. It's been so good. How good has this tournament been? How good has this tournament been? This league's cup has been a hit. A massive hit. Now, a large part of that, I get it. Lionel Messi, Inter-Miami. 21 goals scored. In six games? Nine of those from Lionel Messi. In the 22 regular season games before that, they scored 22 goals. An ugly, ugly start for Inter Miami. This is very bleak indeed for the parents. But there was actually a time before Lionel Messi. And guess who we have? We've got the coach, Phil Neville, former Inter Miami coach that was there. He hasn't spoken to anyone since being let go for Inter-Miami. So he's going to give his perspective, how it went down with his best friend, David Beckham, how his son Harvey Neville's doing on the team, and his prediction, which I have no idea what he's going to say. But they actually have a game. It's Saturday, League's Cup final against another team. It's not Messi versus Inter-Miami. It's actually Inter-Miami versus Nashville. And I'm going to throw you guys a curveball. We're actually going to talk about the other team. This is the best and the biggest victories for Nashville since they've been around. Absolutely magnificent, and they deserve all the plaudits they're going to get. Now, their GM, Mike Jacobs, has been in and around this league for a long time. He's used Moneyball and other sports to build this franchise and this roster. This is going to be the biggest game in their history. But the highlight of today's show is this. I promised you this podcast was for you. You can call in now, 646-571-8496. That is 646-571-8496. Or you can email us at offsidepodwithtaylor at gmail.com. This is what I want from you. What's the best thing you've seen in League's Cup? What do you want to hear us talk about more this season? What you love about me, which is nothing. What you hate about me, which is everything. Just whip me to pieces because now I can actually hear you. But the League's Cup Final is Saturday night, 8 o'clock Eastern on MLS Season Pass on Apple TV. Let's go. All right, so let's set the scene. Saturday, League's Cup Final, it's set. So what do we expect? Well, we should expect goals. This tournament has been goals, goals, goals. 246 goals in 75 matches. That's three and a half goals a game. The top scorer, 
You predicted it. Everyone else did. 36-year-old Lionel Messi with nine. And yet Saturday has this intrigue that many of us that have followed this league love this league. It's on a platter. The MLS MVP, Hani Mukhtar, the greatest soccer player of all time, Lionel Messi, go up against each other, representing two franchises, Inter-Miami and Nashville, that came into the league at the exact same time, 2020. So how did we get here? Now, Nashville's hosting their first ever final after one of the best, if not the best, performances in club history. I'd argue the best three games in club history, FC Cincinnati, Club America, Monterey. Few gave them a chance against Monterey. I did only because, you know what? Monterey was exhausted flying over 10,000 miles throughout this entire tournament. Now, Inter-Miami, 11-game winless streak into League's Cup. What have they done since? They've won five, tied one, won one that tie on a penalty kick shootout. They're 6-0 and if you include that penalty kick shootout. And if Inter-Miami win, it would mean Messi is the most decorated player of all time. 44 trophies. But Nashville players, club, and fans, they're ready for Inter-Miami, and they want Messi. The Philadelphia Union, since 2020, were the best defensive team in the league. Not the Eastern Conference. The league. They had only lost one time in their last 38 games. And they got blown out at home. So great, Nashville. I love it. You want all the attention in the world. Hani Mukhtar, Walker Zimmerman, Gary Smith, Sam Surridge. You all want it. Well, now you get it for a trophy. A guy that's won a trophy 43 times. So we got Mike Jacobs. We got the GM. And I have no idea if he's going to answer the question if he wants Messi. But I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him how you stop him because I don't totally know if you can. But Mike Jacobs has built an unbelievable roster here in Nashville. It's the same year, 2020, that Inter-Miami came into the league. They came in pink. They came in with a big owner in David Beckham. They wanted stars. They wanted glory. Nashville came in saying, nope, Mike Jacobs is going to come in with a pragmatic approach in known quantities. Walker Zimmerman, MLS veterans, Dax McCarty, Sean Davis, Annabelle Godoy. You can go up and down the list. Daniel Lovitz. All these just known, solid MLS players. They're also going to go out and get one of the best players in league history in Hani Mukhtar. But they did it totally different. And yet, ironically, in 2023... Both teams have an opportunity to win their first trophy. So Nashville GM Mike Jacobs joins us now. So, Mike, let's get right into this. I, I think League's Cup's been a success. Whether you're in the final or not, give me your just overarching thing of what the last three weeks have meant for League MX and Major League Soccer. Uh, you know, the idea of playing a League MX competition was really exciting. And when the idea first came out, you know, no one was really sure what Liga MX teams or MLS teams would do as far as rotating players. You think about cup competitions and domestic competitions within a season, whether it's an hour league or abroad, and, you know, the idea that 
perhaps players get rotated and, you know, focus could be on something else. The fact that our league took a hiatus for a month to allow every team to be at full strength, you know, really benefited what we wanted to do. You know, the idea of, of having the chance for our fans on our soil to see the top League MX teams play and, and how the top MLS teams kind of battle it out with them. It's really given everyone a great chance kind of to see both groups on a level playing field. Mike, I said it when the tournament started. I've said it every single year in the playoffs. You guys have built a team, large part with how you've built the roster, also how Gary Smith tactically sets this team up. I think you guys are the most difficult out, if not the one of the top three most difficult teams to play in a knockout style round tournament. Why is that? From the get-go for us, you know, we tried to build a team uh, around the idea of being hard to play against, as you said. And, you know, from early on in our first group, we looked at the idea of how to be really stingy defensively. Mm -hmm. And right. So the idea of us being able to build a team that would be hard to play through, even at times when other teams had carried more possession, you saw, you know, it's like 60-40 for Monterey, but most of what they did was kind of sideways and backwards in front of our back four. And when you can do that, and then each year layer players in key attacking personnel, it accentuates you know, the things you want to try to do. And you know, this group has evolved. Uh, our players have evolved. Our player pool and our roster, uh, our managers evolved as far as more expansive tactics. And, you know, I think because of that, you've seen this group kind of grow and, and really kind of reach different levels because of that. You guys have surprised me a little bit in this league's cup. Now, Inter-Miami was on 11-game winless streak heading into the tournament. Yeah, we get it. Messi, Busquets, Alba, they show up with Tata Martino. I understand that turnaround. You guys were on a little bit of a slide. I was surprised by that slide. Did you come into the tournament with Gary Smith in the group saying, we want to kind of change that and get something out of this? Or did you feel like, you know what, all it was going to take is a little bit of a break here or there, and we're going to be rocking and rolling because you've taken out Cincinnati, Club America, Monterey, Mike, that's the gauntlet. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever been around any player or coach who didn't believe they could win in matches. Yeah, but 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 I would tell you, I, I was not totally surprised that we had some challenges that month and change during the summer. I mean, look what we lost international duty. You know, yep. first Walker Zimmerman during Nations League. You know, then Annabel Godoy is a captain of Panama. You know, Jacob Schaffelberg, You know, obviously uh, had an outstanding Gold Cup. We saw against the U.S. how he did. Fafa Picot played for Haiti. You know, the fact that we lost so much key personnel. I don't think it was as big a surprise as it was to others to, yep. to see, you know, I, I think because our team has been so deep to now have to play during our months, you know, missing players, you know, then now that we're missing players against really strong teams like Philly, Cincinnati, you know, but then you have players sent off in those matches. I mean, uh, playing at Cincinnati, that's hard enough to play 11, yep. you know, 11 v 11, but to do that two men down, it's just, it's challenging. And, you know, for us, uh, uh, I think the same group, that we had before the international window started. It has been there all along. It just was incomplete from the standpoint. We're missing some key personnel. But having everyone come back healthy by adding the likes of uh, Sam Surridge, yep. you know, I think what it's done, it, it connected the dots from some standpoints, filled in the blanks and others. And I think the team you're seeing now is a team that we all kind of thought we were capable of being. Yeah, you came into the league with Miami, obviously with different aspirations, different fanfare, obviously one star studded just in the ownership group with David Beckham on one side. I, I don't think, Mike, you've gotten enough credit. And listen, I've busted your chops about the money ball thing, but truth be told, you've really done a good job of taking MLS roster mechanisms, for lack of a better way to put it, used it to your advantage and really built a strong team. 
It doesn't work, though, if you don't have Hani Mukhtar. And I'm on the record, and I'm going to stay on the record. If he continues the pace that he's at for the next two years, I think he's in the top five greatest players this league's ever seen. I know you're going to tell me I'm not wrong, but tell us something different about Hani Mukhtar that you saw that everyone else on the outside is now recognizing? Or is there something about Hani that just nobody would really know because we're 10,000 feet away from it? Yeah, you know, I had had a discussion uh, the day our stadium opened. We opened Jettis Park last year and about the adaptation that it takes for players from different leagues in different countries to come into play in MLS, be it the different culture, different languages, the climate. The number of people who looked at Hani after 2020 and said, you know, I'm not sure if this guy's a DP or I'm not sure if he's special. You know, the reality is, I mean, he was in our country, played two matches, and the world stopped during a global pandemic. You know, imagine being on your own in a new country, in an apartment all by yourself, in a new league, new teammates. I mean, like anyone would be challenged with that. Uh, I think the player that we all saw, you know, summer of 21 and, you know, up till now is a guy that maybe that he's been all along, but, you know, it had to be brought out from the standpoint of being put in a situation where he was going to thrive and succeed. The way that Gary Smith has integrated him as a withdrawn second striker. I mean, could you imagine playing with someone that off of you, you know, when you were at the height of your powers as a nine, to have someone playing off you like that? Yep. You know, his ability to create and finish chances. Uh, I think the, I think work with the likes of someone like Steve Guppy, you know, before and after training has certainly helped as well. But, but the reality is he's, a lot of guys come into our league and they've already been stars before they came in. Even though Hani was player of the year in the Danish league before he came over, Hani came here looking to become a star. And he's done that. You know, and I think uh, partly ethos of our club has been, maybe it's made us a little different than some other clubs, is we identified players maybe in the peak or approaching the prime of their careers, but hadn't made it yet. And I think to me, the greatest testament of Hani is uh, he came here with, a, you know, kind of a prove it type mentality. Yep. He's proved everyone wrong. He's proved a lot of people wrong, but so have you guys in Nashville. I wonder, is the whole organization got a chip on their shoulder a little bit? Gary Smith's out to prove something. Walker Zimmerman, Hani Mukhtar. Would you agree with me or no? Yeah, look, we've talked a lot over the years about Moneyball, and, and I don't know if, if even the listeners can appreciate like your baseball background. Yep, yep. You know, when, uh, uh, you know, so you understand that better than most. And I think because of a book or a movie, sometimes people always associate it with either like spending those who spend a lot win. Those who don't spend a lot lose, and then their money ball team. Yeah, in the simplest terms, the money ball principle is acquiring the undervalued. Yeah, you know the reason why I think you know you mentioned about you know maybe it's not a coincidence. So many members of our club have chips on their shoulder. Is I think we we built a club and organization built around the undervalued. You know, many people you know who you know like we described Hani earlier. You know, came into this whole project, this whole experience, with the idea of trying to prove they belong, prove that they're valued. And I think I uh, continue to take each challenge just as another opportunity for us to prove that we deserve to be here. Before I let you go, Sam Surge, I am curious what you get out of him. Three goals in three games, remarkable start. One of the best, I think, moments for a debut last seconds against Club America scores a wonderful header. He's never scored 10 plus goals in a calendar year. Tell me why I'm going to be wrong about him. You know, we've learned a lot. Myself, our club's leadership through our, our, you know, very publicized DP9 search from our existence, you know, and I think whether it's uh, us looking at the identification process, the things I mentioned earlier, the adaptation of certain players, uh, whether it's looking at our game model, our manager, our, the personnel on our team, our tactics, 
trying to find player or players that, that fit our, not only like our job description, looking for a center forward, but like our positional profile. It's not like playing a video game. You're just trying to collect players. It's trying to find players that fit together. And and for us, each year, I think we, we were able to kind of hone in more like razor sharp at trying to get an idea of like what kind of fit we we're looking for. And this last search, as we started going further and further into it, it very quickly, like Sam just kind of evolved as that guy. And, you know, you mentioned Honey before, uh, having a player that can link up with him yep. is really, really important. And I think, you know, it's hard sometimes to, you know, cohesion is is a critical piece of putting teams together. It's not just getting good players, but who plays well together. And, you know, having not seen guys play together, you don't really know. And, you know, until you roll out a 90th plus six minute against Club America, <laughs> like how guys are going to do together. But, you know, we just kind of believe that the, the things that Sam offers as a player would fit really well with Honey. We're only just now seeing kind of like the first glimpse of what Sam's capable of doing. Yeah, but then the following two games, he scores goals, right? So now all of a sudden the confidence has flown three goals in three games, 30,000 in Nashville every single time singing his praises. He looks up to this point to be the guy with Hani. And if you find that guy, you guys are rock and roll because defensively you're one of the best teams in the league, which leads me to my final question. I can't stop. I, I can't answer it anymore. How do you stop Messi? How do you stop Inter-Miami? I thought the Philadelphia Union were going to do that, and yet Jim Curtin and the entire team, they saw ghosts. They completely changed who they were, Mike, and it caught them. I would be stunned if Gary Smith does anything different than what he's always done. But honestly, how do you stop Lionel Messi and enter Miami? I mean, look, arguably the guy is the greatest player in the history of the sport. You know, so... uh uh, the things he's done in this early stages of his career at MLS have been tremendous. I don't know that you can, you know, totally take him away from Miami's team, you know, short of taking a bat to his knees, you know, like, yeah. which is probably not anytime soon. <laughs> I don't even know if that would work. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, I, I, I'm not sure if, if Tanya Harding could stop Leon Messi. <laughs> but, but what I would say is, you know, I, I think that the big thing about playing, whether it's against him, whether it's playing against the Giants like Club America or Monterey, I think you have to respect the game. When you do scouting or prepare for an opponent, you have to respect things that teams do really well, but you can't show them too much respect from the standpoint of changing who you are. And I, I just don't know that a team with a chip and shoulder, a team that loves to be David against Goliath, uh, I, I just I just have a tough time thinking that this team is not going to roll up its sleeves and, and look to try to punch someone in the mouth. Mike, I know how busy you are. I love every single time I get to cover your team because it's different. There's an identity to the team, and you deserve a ton of credit for getting this team and helping build this roster that got to the League's Cup final. Good luck Saturday, bud. Thanks, Taylor. Take care. I told you I was going to ask Mike Jacobs how to stop Messi. Now, I didn't think he'd go to Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Now, listen, M Mike Jacobs was kidding. He was kidding. But the task is that difficult. There is no answer. And so how does Nashville kind of do that? I don't know. It's going to be interesting Saturday night to see that. Now, you're going to be surprised. There actually was an Inter-Miami before Messi, even though the last three weeks kind of tells us there really wasn't. There was. 2022, Phil Neville and Inter-Miami made the playoffs. Had no business making the playoffs. But he only got a one-year contract extension. Knowing the Moss family, his best friend David Beckham, we're having conversations with the Messi family that the summer of 2023 may be on the horizon. He knew he had to do something to keep that job. He went winless in 11 games. Difficult task. Some of the best players injured out for the year. Some of his best players, highest paid players not delivering. Difficult task for Phil Neville. 
he was dismissed. Now, he hasn't spoken to anybody since being dismissed by his best friend, David Beckham, until now. So I appreciate anyone, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, they're willing to talk. He's also born and raised in England, played in England, coached the England women's national team. He's done a lot of things at different levels. So I'm going to appreciate the global perspective from Phil Neville, who is also enthralled with this league and League's Cup and Lionel Messi. So without further ado, here's Phil Neville. All right, Phil, you know me very well. I'm going to get right into it. Obviously, this has been something completely out of the world that nobody thought would happen. But let's get right into it. What have you made of Miami since Messi's arrived? Did you know what I've been really, really blown away with is the reaction of people about how he's playing, the goals he scored, the the impact that he would have. And obviously, I, I spent all my life in European football where where you were around the likes of Messi and Pogba and Griezmann and, and Ronaldo. And really, I think what Miami are experiencing at this moment in time is probably quite normal for European football. But what I would say is... I've been blown away by all all the games. I think I've watched every single game. And after every single game, I've not been able to sleep that night. The adrenaline, the <laughs> adrenaline's been going, the excitement. You almost want an Inter-Miami game the day after because you want that feeling. That is top, top level elite sport. And I'd say that for Christmas, I bought my son four tickets to go and watch LA Lakers versus the Miami Heat. Yeah. And... Do you know when you're in the presence of greatness? I had the same feeling when I watched LeBron that night. And do you know what? He came out for the pregame warm-up. And the minute he walked on the court, not only you, you go and get a, a Fanta or a Coke or a beer or some popcorn, I watched him warm up. I watched him interact with his teammates. You could just feel the buzz, the electricity in the arena. And and that's when you know you're in the presence of greatness. And Am I surprised by the free kicks? No. Am I surprised by his effect on the team? No, because that's what greatness has, you know? Yeah, I mean, Phil, the the thing about it is, and it's difficult, I think, to quantify for anyone that's not been in sports, but when you have a level of expectation and you exceed that every time, there's only, in my lifetime, and listen, I was very young, but that was Muhammad Ali, that was Tiger Woods, and that was Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant to an extent as well. But those four athletes, when you put Messi in that group, you expect him to deliver, and yet since he's come to Inter-Miami, it's been better with the script, the storybook, I don't know any other athlete in our sport of football that's done that. And that includes Ronaldo. No, I, I, I played with David Beckham. And, and I always felt with David that he had a script. And, you know, you think about the last minute goal against Greece to get England to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. The script was written with Messi, with Ronaldo, because I played with Ronaldo. I spent two, three years with Ronaldo in a dressing room. They, they have their own script. And when you have greatness in a team, it doesn't just inspire the teammates around him. He inspires the opposition. Think about Dallas. Think about Orlando. Think about the effect he had on uh, Atlanta. They didn't know how to handle it. Then you got Orlando. He went the other way. You thought, right, I'm going to get right into him. And I admired Orlando for that. And and then you came against Dallas. Agreed. Dallas. Dallas thought, no, this show's not just about you. We want to compete. We want to show you. Velasco played the most incredible game I've ever seen him play. And and that is Mm -hmm. not because of Velasco. That is because of Messi. And for Lionel Messi... This is just normal. 
every time he gets out of yep. bed, this is just normal. Every time he goes to a training pitch, the, the, the people outside, the paparazzi, that's just his world. And when he scores that free kick in the last minute against Cruz Azul or in the 10 minutes to go against Dallas, that is not extraordinary for him. That is just normal. And that's what makes him a genius because for us, we're watching and we're seeing words like genius, out of this world, some of the greatest. We're comparing him to Jordan, to Ali. That is just his world. Yeah. And that's for me is why I can't sleep at night after his games because I'm like, that's what we're all trying to get to. That's what we're all trying to achieve. <laughs> for yeah, him, that's and, just normal. But Phil, is there any part of you that's pissed off? Is there any part of you that says, wait a minute, what if I was there? What? <laughs> and is there any part of you that sits there and says, oh man, I just wish I had a shot? If you think about the year and a half before in came, I had two or three conversations with Busquets. You know, I was never a part of probably the messy conversations, but I knew what was going on. I knew there was a chance. I knew that we were in for him. I knew the work that Jorge was doing. I mean, that vision was incredible. And, and you know, I was part of that. I was part of the building of the team this year for this moment. And nobody knew whether it was going to happen. I was a part of what sort of like the building and, and the foundation putting down, the Busquets, the Alba thing, that was all part of the, the plan. But, you know, I, I always had a feeling deep down that probably I wasn't going to be here when he was going to come to the club. But, and I say that not because I didn't like confidence in myself. It's just that this was different. This was not signing like Gonzalo or Blaise Matuidi or Rodolfo Pizarro. This was a signing from another stratosphere. And you look around the world about the way that he's been at other clubs. There's always been certain managers that's, that's managed him. So... The bottom line for me was, forget Messi, the, the results weren't good enough the last month that I was in the job. And I knew that. And that's the reason I left the football club. So when I look in the mirror in the morning and, and all my friends and all the social media say, oh, it could have been you. Well, no, it couldn't have been me because the results when I, in the last month, weren't good enough. They weren't good enough to my expectations. So, you know, I knew the vision. I knew what the club wanted. I knew where Jorge David and Jose wants to take the club. And, and you know, I've been in football a long time, just like yourself, and say sometimes, sometimes it's just not meant to be. And that's how I look at it. And I'm not bitter. I'm not twisted. I'm not angry. I'm not frustrated. I, I feel lucky and blessed that I've worked for a club that had that vision. I've worked for owners that had that vision. I've worked for a set of owners that were incredibly honest to me. The, the, the day that I left that football club was... You know, I've had two special moments in my career away from the, the medals that I've won. And that's when I left Manchester United and when I, when I left into Miami, it was done in a way that actually filled me with pride, with the respect that they had for me and the respect that I had for them. And like I say, my best friend, one of my lifelong friends delivered the news that I wasn't going to work into Miami anymore. And that, that was really hard, hard for David, hard for me. But it was actually really special moments of two people that just had total respect and love for each other. So so for me, it's like, I don't have any bitterness. I don't look back. Sir Alex Ferguson taught me that. My father taught me that. Don't look back. Because if you look back, you end up with pain, anger, and frustration and bitterness. I look forward and think, Jorge Mas, David Beckham, and Jose Mas give me, give me and my family two and a half of the best years of my life. And, and that's, that's all you can, the way you think about it. There's two things that you just said that stand out to me, and it, it, it makes me feel a lot better for you as a human because your friendship for David Beckham was bigger than any job you were ever going to be given. And I think it's very important yeah. that that's first and foremost. Secondly, yeah. your son's doing exactly what you were doing at Manchester United. It's yeah. really odd, Phil, when you think about 
Jordi Alba, Sergio Busquets, Lionel Messi, Harvey Neville. You guys now as a father's son can share yeah. on these stories. It doesn't matter what playing careers you guys had, just as a father's son saying, what the hell are we witnessing? What a life this is. Honestly, it's incredible. I've got a really funny story there about, a week ago, my son came home and said, oh, dad, you know, because the number 18 is the number that I had throughout my career. So it's, it's a number that Harvey took when he came to Miami. He yep. came home and said, dad, dad, dad. <laughs> Chris just pulled me and said that Jordi Alba wants the number 18. <laughs> I said, and what did you say back? He said, well, I, I said, I hope you said yes. And, 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 and I almost clipped him around the head to say, like, what the fudge? You know, this is Jordi Alba. Give him your number <laughs> and clean his shirt every single day. And we had a laugh about it. And, you know, but it's, I it's love that, though, Phil, because I love that because deep down, I kind of respect Harvey going, hold on, maybe I can get like a free meal out of this. Maybe I can get yeah. some. Wait, Jordi's got to pay me for it. <laughs> Do you know what, Taylor? I think the kit man said to him, look, in America, you have this tradition. If, if one of the big guys come in and take your number, you know, they, they take you out in Miami or they give you some money. So he said, Dad, what do you think I should uh, ask for it? I said, son, <laughs> I said, if I was you, I would ask him to sign his first shirt to Harvey for good luck, Jordi Alba. I said, because he said, yeah, but I could get a thousand dollars out of this. And I, again, I nearly clicked him again. <laughs> so no, it's, it's good. It's good. But one of the other guys that's in that dressing room, and I've referred to him during the broadcast as Angel Di Maria, but Robert Taylor. And I don't think yeah. our listeners fully understand. You brought him in. You brought him in yeah. because you said something to me. And I went through my notes. He's so hungry. He has something to prove. And I think he's got something in the final third because of how his past career went in playing non-league football. Phil, there's got to be a part of you that looks at this and say, oh, this is really, really good. Oh, honestly. And again, I think back to when people text me after games and they're expecting me to feel anger and bitterness. I look at Robert Taylor, Drake Callender, Arroyo, Joseph. Kamal, Ben, ha these are all my guys. These are all my boys, you know what I mean? So when I, we signed Robert Taylor and in the interviews that we did for him before the game, because I like to speak to him face to face about their career and their life before we signed him. And, and and he said he'd had disappointments in his career. He'd had tough times where he'd gone to AK Athens and to non-league and he'd not quite fulfilled his potential and he wanted to fulfill his potential. He was hungry, he had that desire and that's the player we signed. And, and when I see him play now, you talk about the effect of Sergio and Jordi and, and Lionel on him. He's just been inspired and he's almost like a superstar in himself now. When people talk about Messi in the MLS, Robert Taylor's getting headlines that he's probably never got in his life before. The quality of his passing, the quality of his runs, the quality of his delivery, his technical ability is sensational. And he's, he's Harvey's one of Harvey's closest friends in the team and he's a funny guy. And he's fulfilling his potential that he's always wanted. You think about his story. His story is incredible. He's a, he's a boy that's ha it's had to graft all his life to get to this moment. Yep. And now is his moment. Yep. Now is his moment. And he's delivering. Yeah, he's delivering in a big way, similar to what you did in 2022. Phil, I've said this many a times. I think it was one of the best coaching jobs in this league. But now putting yourself back into those shoes, what you did in 2022 you know David and Jorge better than I do, and quite honestly, better than anyone. Do you think this League's Cup run has changed their level of expectations now because they've had immediate success? Or do you think they're still going to be <laughs> composed with that level of expectation knowing that they're in last place of the Major League Soccer Eastern Conference? 
Taylor, I, I think knowing Jorge, Jose and David, that when you talk about their expectation, this is what they've always wanted. You know, when you come to Miami, you have to do things different. You have to do things with a little bit of razzmatazz and, and a little bit of yep. flashiness. You have to do things different. You have to do things bigger and better and flashier. And this was their vision. They wanted to bring the best. They wanted to have the world watching. They wanted to have the, those celebrities on the side. That is part of Miami. That's not just part of Inter yeah. Miami. You go watch the Heat, the Marlins, the the Dolphins. Yes. That VIP section at all those three, that, that is part of the Miami yeah. culture. You go down South Beach, that's Miami. So I, I think when people say, oh, this is what Jorge has always wanted. He wanted to turn up to a game. He wanted to see on the field this. He wanted to see 4-4. He wanted to see drama. He wanted to see the best players. He wanted the world's media to focus on his town. And I think that's where people probably are not probably seeing it as much is that really this is not just about Inter Miami. This is about Jorge's vision and David's vision and Jose's yeah. vision for Miami. They want to put Miami on the map for football, for soccer. And this is part of it. So when people say, oh, the, the night against Cruz Azul, it was an out of the world experience. Well, for Jorge, no, it was just a fulfillment of his expectations. Yes. And when you see now, like, oh, where, where can they go? Do you know what? I think Jorge and David and Jose, they want to make them one of the biggest clubs in the world in terms of the brand and everything. So it, this ain't going to stop. This is not just a one, two year whim that, that's happening. This is going to last for a long time because that's what they promised and that's what they're delivering. And, and that, that for me is what I've experienced over the last two and a half years. Yeah, because when you also think about it, they are Miami people. They get that. I've been asked a lot and you've been doing stuff for Apple TV and we're always asked about Lionel Messi and his impact on the sport in North America and the United States and Major League Soccer. And yet, do you think he's going to change it for the next 10, 15, 20 years? I do, but I don't know if someone on the outside says, no, maybe this is just a flash in the pan. Well, I'll ask you the question. Did David change it when he came? 15, 20 yes. years ago. Did, yeah, okay. So I think David, David changed it. Slatan changed it a little bit. And now I think with the World Cup that happened in Qatar at the US uh, men's team, I think they changed it. I think I, I've seen it over the last two and a half years. The, the growth has been incredible. I think there's now more attention. Messi's took it to an all new stratosphere. If you think about the World Cup in 2026, I was here for the World Cup in 1994. And it's night and day compared to now in terms of the level of interest, the level of knowledge, the level of exposure. I go in the gym every single morning with my wife and we turn on Fox News, NBC News, all the news channels. And every news channel is speaking about Lionel Messi into Miami soccer. So all of a sudden, there's the exposure that's going into people's houses mm -hmm. around the whole of America is huge. And that's what it's about. And, and Messi has opened the door for the top players now yes. to come to the MLS. We've now seen Mbappe. We've now seen Neymar being linked with our league. So I'd say that David was the game changer 15 years ago. Now, all of a sudden, Messi's took it to an even greater level. And, and what that will do, that will open the floodgates for, if you've got a choice in the world now to go and play football, I think people will now put the MLS on their agent's list to say, you know what? I want to be part of that rodeo. Yep. Phil, I couldn't agree more. David Beckham came here in 20, 2007, excuse me. And when he came here, the expansion fee was $15 million. It's now $500 million. <laughs> I think the Diego Gomez that is now coming from Paraguay, now all of a sudden coming to Inter-Miami, Liga MX is now going to be on the back burner because they're going to use MLS as the stepping stone to either further their career. Phil, you and I were texting each other. 
Zlatan had his debut. We could argue right now that Zlatan's debut may have been better than Messi's soccer-wise, the goal and all that. It was less than 2 million people total saw it. Over 250 million people in 24 hours saw it. You couple that with Messi, that's where I think the growth is going to be had. And that's where I think it's difficult for you and I to even have this conversation in 2023 because in the blink of an eye, it could be growing underneath us right as we're having this conversation. Absolutely. I mean, you look at his unveiling. You was at the unveiling of oh my Lionel goodness. Messi, and 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 I don't know how many views. I think David says something like three point five million, a billion, maybe. Watch yes. his unveiling yep. throughout the world. That is a game changer in itself. You think about the, you know, little things like the Inter Miami Instagram page went from a million followers to X amount of followers in a day. Dallas sold out in ten minutes. And and yep. what I would say is is that I. I'm an owner of a football club and there are some powerful owners in the MLS that have got deep, deep, deep pockets. And they would have all been sitting there for the last year and a half when Jorge, Jose and David are probably telling them what's going on. And they'd probably say, yeah, yeah, you just go and spend your 200 million or whatever it is. And now they're thinking, shit, I need to get on board with this. Our club needs yeah. to get jump on board and our club needs to do yes. something because yep. that's what happens. It's not just the players will come. It's not just the fans will come. It's not just the media will come. These owners, the, the the Charlotte owner, one of the richest men in the MLS will say, I'm not having the Mass Brothers outspend me. The Colorado nope. owner, the Crogis, I'm not having the Mass Brothers outspend me. I want this razzmatazz in Colorado, in Charlotte, in Nashville, in LA, SC. Or, I think that's where the game changing is. It's not just in one facet. So if you as a player, a pundit, a, a, an owner, an investor, a sponsor, You'd want to get on this bandwagon as quickly as possible because it's it's only going one way. You left one thing out of there, though. What about a coach? Do you see yourself staying in MLS? Because I do. But I, I'm yeah. going to have you answer the question. No, do you want I, to? I want to. I, I'm I, honestly, I this country is this country has been incredible for me. I loved coaching in the MLS. I loved everything about the MLS. I loved the the football, the styles, the, the training facilities. I loved the players. There are many challenges, which is, you know, and I, and I, my coaching career has took me on different pathways, La Liga, EPL, mm -hmm. women's football, America. So I've had brilliant experiences and this has been probably one of the most challenging in terms of what you have to adapt to. It's a brilliant league. And when I, I spoke a lot on this podcast about staying on that bandwagon, I, I, you know, my, my, my ideal, and you can't be ideal as a coach because everybody wants jobs around the world. My ideal would be yep. to stay in and around this area and to work and to continue. I feel as if I've got unfinished business. I want to be successful. You know, I've I've won throughout my life, so so I I want to continue to win and and I want to prove to people in the MLS that I can I can do a good job like I did it into Miami. Agreed, I agree completely. Phil, you've hung out with us long enough, <laughs> but put you <laughs> on the you. spot. Inter Miami, do they make the playoffs? Yes or no? Yes, one thousand percent. I think they win the league's cup. I think they win the U.S. Open Cup. Lionel Messi's not come here for a holiday. He's come here to win. Sergio Busquets, if he wanted money, he would have gone to Saudi Arabia. Jordi Alba would could have gone to Saudi Arabia. They've come here to win. You look at their reactions when they win the penalty shootout. That's not three people that have come here to go on South yep. Beach and have and have a mojito. They've come here to win, and I think that they will win because they're that good. Phil, this has been an absolute blast. Listen, I speak selfishly. I hope you get what you want. I would love for you to stay with Apple TV because we need more coaches to be involved in this. 
but I know in the back of your mind, and I know you well enough, you <laughs> want to be a coach, you'll always be a coach. So I hope that comes in the near future for you. Phil, thanks again for uh, taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Taylor. I'm surprised Phil didn't say they're going to win the World Cup. <laughs> I mean, seriously, think about what he just said. The worst team in Major League Soccer regular season up to this point. 22 games played, 18 points. He's going to win League's Cup, U.S. Open Cup, and make the playoffs. Yeah, right. And yet I feel like he is right. Honestly, what's going to stop Lionel Messi and Inter Miami to this point? I also appreciate Mike Jacobs joining us, but I also appreciate you. I appreciate you listening. I need you to rate, review the show, follow us on Apple Podcasts. But remember, 646-571-8496. That is 646-571-8496. I want to hear from you and roast me, please. Offside with Taylor Twelman is a Major League Soccer podcast produced by Apple TV and Rain Delay Media. Executive producers are Peter Moses and John Yales. John was our editor. Michael Janot was our engineer. Jonah Buchanan and Iggy Monda were our researchers. Music was composed by Brian Decker, and I'm your host, Taylor Twalman. Follow and listen on Apple Podcasts. And this tournament has been everything that I predicted, except the opposite. I actually predicted Nashville to get to semi, so I can't joke about that.